Have you ever been in a place, a small group, a, a room, or with a team, and someone asks for a volunteer to do something, and everyone is just like, you, you know, you don't want to make eye contact with the person who's asking for help, who's asking for the volunteer. It happens a lot of times in, in small groups. If you've ever been in a, a Christian-like small group, uh, they'll ask someone, hey, will, will someone read this uh, verse? And you get no one. It's like crickets. And it's one of the most awkward situations. Or you're praying uh, with some other people, and you're like, hey, okay, will someone pray for this? And then no one prays. Uh, and no one wants to look, and everybody's kind of nudging each other or squeezing the, the you know, you did this when you're a kid, you know, you kind of squeeze the hands of the people next to you and, and, and no one wants to do it. This past week, uh, my son was playing baseball and after the game was over, um, there was a makeup game from all the wind and the dirt that we've had, you know, and so welcome to West Texas. And um, so they're talking about this makeup game and the coach is like, hey, can we get any parents for the makeup game to bring the snack for the next game? And um, everyone's like, I mean, no one's making eye contact with the coach. And finally, he's just like, okay, fine. Well, you know, I'll, I'll bring the snack. You know, no one wants to bring No one was volunteering. It was so awkward. And he just sat there and let it be so awkward for so long while all these parents were refusing to volunteer to bring the snack to the makeup baseball game. It was so awkward. It's one of the most awkward things when you ask for a volunteer and no one is willing to help out. Well, you know, in the Bible, God asks for volunteers. In fact, we, we're going to read a passage tonight where God has this huge, incredible task, like this amazing task, and he's looking for someone to volunteer to take on this task. And a man named Isaiah, who's a prophet, which just means in the Old Testament, a prophet was someone who spoke for God, like God would give them messages. And then that person would then relay that message to the people of God. And now in the New Testament, in the new covenant of grace, we are all now prophets. We're all now, we believe here at Raider Church, as it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, we are all now a royal priesthood, which means we can all come to God. We can all speak to God. God can speak to all all of us and he does that through his word and through the Holy Spirit but in this day in this time there were prophets that heard from God and they would speak that message to God and so there's this guy named Isaiah who's a prophet and God is looking for a volunteer for this huge task and Isaiah says I'll do it I'll volunteer and I want you to know tonight that God has a huge task still that he is looking for volunteers for and I believe tonight, as we look at this dangerous prayer, this last dangerous prayer, the most dangerous of the prayers in this series, I believe you're going to hear God tonight speak to us as a church, like as a community, a corporate community of believers. And I believe he's going to, you're going to hear him speak maybe to you even individually and say, will you volunteer? Who will go? Who will take on this task. I'm looking for volunteers. And so my prayer is, is that it won't be awkward here where we all put our heads down and we ignore God and we think the person or hope the person next to us takes the opportunity to volunteer because, because we don't want to. That, I'm praying that won't be the case here. So if you got a Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah chapter six, 
And as you turn there, we've been in a series called Dangerous Prayers. In the first week, we looked at how um, Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still. And so that was our first dangerous prayer for God to do miraculous things in our life, to make the sun stand still in our lives. And last week, we, we talked about how David prayed, search me, God. And so we said last week that that dangerous prayer was to search me and lead me, change me, guide me into your everlasting way, God. And tonight we're going to look at the third dangerous prayer, the most dangerous of all the prayers in the Bible, I believe. This is the most dangerous prayer. And what we've said with each one of these prayers is that if you will make them your own prayer, if, they, if you will internalize these prayers and make them your prayers, they will change your life forever. I promise you that. If you make these prayers your prayer, they will change your life forever. So Isaiah chapter six for the third and final prayer. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can go to on your phone, on your web browser, go to RaiderChurch.com and uh, click message notes and you can follow right along with us. Let's go Isaiah chapter six, starting in verse one. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. So he has this, Isaiah is having this vision. It's a vision of heaven. It says he was sitting, the Lord was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. This these heavenly beings. And they had two wings. With they, they covered their faces and with two they, they covered their feet and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple, shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, this is Isaiah's response. He sees this vision and he, he, he sees all of this happening in heaven, this, this vision. And he says, then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. So we're going to stop right there. Isaiah in this moment is broken. He has seen the holiness of God. That God is perfect and holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. So he has seen the holiness of God. And when you see the holiness of God or you understand or realize the holiness of God, you understand that you aren't holy. I'm not like God. He is perfect. I'm not. He is holy. I am not. He is righteous. I am, Isaiah said, a sinful man. I'm dirty, I'm filthy when I compare myself to the holiness and to the righteousness of God. And so Isaiah is broken because he sees how holy God is and that he is not, that he falls short, that he is a sinful man. And not only that, Isaiah is broken for his people. He's broken because he's dirty, he's sinful, and he's broken for his people because he knows they cannot stand up to the holiness and the righteousness of God either. They are sinful. They have messed up. The Bible says we've all fallen short 
of God's glory, his standard to be right with him and to go to heaven when we die, to even be in his presence, we fall short because he is perfect and holy. And so Isaiah is absolutely broken because he knows the penalty for sin, for not measuring up to God is death, it's destruction. And so Isaiah, realizing this, the holiness of God and his own sinfulness and the sinfulness of man, the sinfulness of his friends, of his people, the sinfulness in the nations, he's broken. Did you catch what he said? He said, we're doomed. We are doomed. And so in this moment, Isaiah is overcome with his own sin and with the sin of his people and with the sin of the nations because they cannot stand up to the holiness of God. They fall short. And so Isaiah is broken over his sin, over the condition of his soul and the condition of his people's soul. Have you ever been broken over your sin? Have you ever been broken over the people that you know that don't follow Jesus? Has that ever like broken you or maybe even moved you to tears? Because that's what's what's happening right here with Isaiah. Like he is so overcome that he is broken. Paul said in Romans chapter nine, he said he had this deep anguish and grief and torment for his people, for his friends, for his nation that did not know Jesus. And Paul said this, he was so broken over it. He said in Romans 9, I would rather be cursed or in other words, apart from Christ than to see my country, my nation separated from God for eternity. It's hard to believe that that someone would actually say that, but he starts off Roman nine saying, I'm not lying. You you read this and you're like, Paul, no one in their right mind thinks you, you, you must be lying. But he starts off Roman nine saying, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. I have a deep anguish and grief, brokenness in my heart, in my soul for my people. Paul is so broken, so overwhelmed with the condition of his people that it leads him to write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. He says this, that I am willing to endure anything and everything to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. He said, I'm willing to endure anything and everything. And in fact, We can take him seriously when he says that because when he's writing this letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is literally in chains. He's in prison. He's been beaten. He's been imprisoned. And he won't stop preaching the good news about Jesus to those who've never heard the message before. Paul said he had this ambition to preach Christ where he was not known, where people had not been reached yet. He had this ambition because of this deep anguish and sorrow and grief in his heart for those who did not know or follow Jesus. Paul's 
anguish, his brokenness led to a willingness to do whatever it took to endure anything and everything at whatever cost, at whatever sacrifice, so that people who did not know Jesus could know and hear the gospel. And so here's what I want you to see tonight. This was true in Paul, and it's going to be true in Isaiah here in just a second, that brokenness leads to a willingness. Brokenness leads to willingness. That's what we see in Paul in Romans 9, 2 Timothy 2, that he's broken. There's this deep anguish in his heart for those who don't know Jesus, for the unreached, those who've never heard about Jesus before. And he's so broken, he's so overcome that he's willing to endure anything, even death, that everyone, that all the nations, like Jesus said in Matthew 28, would know the good news of the gospel. And that's what's happening with Isaiah here in Isaiah chapter six in this moment. He is broken. He is overcome. And you're going to see here in these next verses how it leads to a willingness to volunteer for a great task. Let's keep going. Starting in verse six. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see this coal, go back one, go back. See this coal has touched your lips. Next. (laughs) Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. So in this vision, he understands how he's sinful. He falls short of God's holiness and perfection. He's broken over his sin. But then the next thing that happens is he sees this heavenly being take this coal off the altar. And the altar was a place where the sacrifices were made for the sins of the people. When you sin in the old covenant, you would bring an animal as a sacrifice or as a sin offering and you would lay your hand on the animal in the old covenant, you would lay your hand on the animal, recognizing and confessing that this animal is dying in my place. And then that animal would be slaughtered and laid up on this altar and would burn. And so Isaiah understands and realizes and is overcome by his sin, yet The next moment he sees this angel take this coal off the altar where the sacrifice has been made for sin and come and touch him with it, saying that his sins had been forgiven. But in this verse, what we see is that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, without a sacrifice. And I want you to know tonight that if you're overcome with your sin and you realize and understand that you aren't good enough to be right with God, you you fall short like I do and like everyone else in this room does. And you're overcome and you're broken by that sin. The only way you can be forgiven of your sin like Isaiah was in this verse is to trust in God's sacrifice that he has provided for your sin. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain for you and I in our place. And so if you're overcome by your sin, 
then in a sense, you can say, put your hand on, on Jesus and say, Jesus is dying in my place. I trust in him. I'm trusting in his sacrifice for my sin, that through his sacrifice and taking the penalty that I owed, I can be made right with God. My sin can be forgiven. And some of you here tonight, you've never made that decision. You've been thinking that you could be a good enough person to be right with God. The Bible says good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And you're forgiven of your sin when you trust in the sacrifice that was paid, that was killed in your place for your sin. Romans 3 says when you trust in Jesus' payment of your fine and his blood that was shed for you on the altar of the cross, your sin is forgiven. Just like Isaiah's was. And you can be made right with God. And so if you're here tonight and you've never made that decision, I want to challenge you tonight to make that decision, to give your life to Jesus, to trust in his payment of your fine. Check that box on your connection card that says, I'm committing my life to Christ tonight. And then after the service, take that back to our Raider Church booth on your way out. And we've got a Bible for you and we just want to pray with you and celebrate that decision with you. And before we go on, I just want you to know that in the four years, four and a half years now that Raider Church has been uh, going or existed, we have seen 679 people commit their life to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? It's absolutely amazing. We've had 40 people commit their life to Jesus this semester alone. Almost every week at Raider Church, someone commits their life to Jesus. Almost every week. So if you've ever wondered why we share a clear presentation of the gospel every single week without fail, it's because of that. That's what we're here for. That's what we're about. We have good news and we are going to share it every single week. And I say that because this week I got lit up by someone with a message saying that we are so basic because we share the gospel every single week. And it almost brought tears to my eyes that a Christian could really think that. Last time I checked, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Last time I checked, Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy. Last time I checked, Jesus was a friend of sinners. We've got great news and we will share it every single week without fail and without shame proudly because that is the good news that we have. Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I'm going to remind you of something that's of first importance. That Jesus died for our sins, was laid in a tomb, and three days later he rose again. That message is of first importance to Paul. First importance. That simple message that changes people's lives and makes them right with God. We will share that every single week. And I just want to, just, just a quick word about this again. If you don't like that, then this isn't the place for you. I'm just going to be, I'm being real and honest with you. Because that's what I'm about, 
That's what our team is about. That's what we've been about since day one is to see people at Texas Tech, Wayland, South Plains, Lubbock meet Jesus because it's Jesus that changes their life. So we will share a simple presentation of the gospel every single week. And one of the reasons why is because it never gets old to me. It never gets old. And I hope and pray that message never gets old to you. That Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That message never gets old. And you should pray that it never gets old to you. And so we're proud to share that simple message every single week. Because almost every week we have someone commit their life to Jesus here. And so we aren't going to stop. We won't stop. So let's keep going. Let's go back. Sorry, got off track there a little bit. Uh, so uh, got on a, a, a soapbox there. Okay, let's go back to Isaiah 6, the verses uh, before then. So there we are. There we are. So now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then Isaiah said this. Then I heard the Lord asking, watch this. Who should I send as a messenger to this people? Let's hold, hold right there again. So Isaiah is overcome by the holiness of God. He's overcome by his sin. He's overcome with the sin of his people and of, of the nations who are unreached, who, who don't know God and their sin has not been yet forgiven. So Isaiah is overcome with this. And so in this vision, he sees the Lord telling him, saying to him, who's going to go? Who am I going to I need to send a messenger to these people who don't no, who's going to go? Who will I send? Who will go for us? And watch this. Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. Here I am, God. Send me. You're looking for someone to go. You need a messenger to go and to tell these people the goodness of God. You need someone to go. You're, you're looking, you're looking for volunteers to go. God, I'll go. I'll go, God. I, I volunteer to go. Here, here am I. Send me. Isaiah loves God. He's broken over his sin and the sin of his people. His sin now has been washed away. His sin has been forgiven. And so now... Isaiah is so excited, he's so overcome with the goodness of God, with the grace of God, that he can't help but volunteer and say, God, I'll go. You need someone, you're looking for someone to go, I'll go. Don't look past me, God. I volunteer to go and to be your messenger. So Isaiah's having this vision. God's looking for someone to go. He's looking for a messenger to go and to tell people. And Isaiah says, I'll go. Now, here's what isn't happening in this passage. Isaiah's broken for himself and, and for others. And he, he has this vision and God says, Isaiah, I need you to go here and to tell these people uh, about me. That happens sometimes. We see that happen sometimes in the, in the Bible. That's not what's happening here. God isn't writing something on the wall saying, okay, uh, Isaiah, I want you to go to Africa and to tell this tribe the good news of Jesus. 
That's not, that's not what's happening. There's not some vision or idea of where Isaiah is going to go and that it's supposed to be him that goes. Sometimes that, that happens in the scripture. But it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, and so let's pray for, for more workers. That's what he told his disciples. Let's pray for more workers to go into the harvest field. In Acts chapter 13, uh, the church at Antioch is, is together praying and Paul and Barnabas are there with him. And it says that the Holy Spirit told the church, like all of them together, to send Barnabas or, or, or Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. It doesn't say that Paul and Barnabas heard from God and said, God told them, hey, you guys, you, you guys are going to Afghanistan to tell people about Jesus. He didn't, he didn't write it on the wall for, for Paul and, and Barnabas. They didn't have some special vision where they felt called to go to Afghanistan. That's not what happened. That happens sometimes, but it, it's not the norm. Like that's not normative. Like that doesn't always happen. That's not what we see happening here in Isaiah 6. God's looking for volunteers in Isaiah 6. You might say, well, but Isaiah must have been called, right? Like he was called to, to go as a messenger. To, no, no, no. He just volunteered. You looking for a messenger, God? I'll go. He just volunteered. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, he said this, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Who's we? He's writing to the church, to you and I as followers of Jesus. We are Christ's ambassadors. You're not called to be an ambassador. As a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador. You already are an ambassador. God is making, this is incredible. God is making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal to the world, to the nations through us through you and through me. We are his ambassadors to a world who doesn't know Jesus. We are his ambassadors. And so let's see how we're doing. Let's just look at the state of the world and see how we're doing. Here's the, the population. The world population right now is 7 billion, just over 7 billion and 17,000 people groups. So a people group is a, a group of people who are separated from, by either culture, language, or, or, or other reasons. But, but there's 17,000, over 17,000 different people groups in the world. Next, the unreached. We've got three billion people in the world who are unreached with the gospel or 6,700 people groups that are unreached, meaning they, they're, they're, there aren't Christians living there. There's less than 2% evangelical Christians living in these unreached people groups with 3 billion people 
That's about 40%. It's a little over 40% of the population on our planet is unreached. Less than 2% evangelical Christian, meaning in most of these places, you will be born, live, and die and never hear the name of Jesus. Never, not once. You know, most people in our country have a chance to reject Jesus 10 or 20 times in their lifetime. In these countries, among the unreached, most of them, if not all, you can live and die and never once hear the name of Jesus, see a Bible, or go to a church because they aren't there. So 3 billion, 40% of our world is unreached. Next. Full-time Christian workers on the planet right now. So this would be missionaries, pastors, uh, Christian workers, any kind of Christian worker that you could think of. 5.5 million Christian workers. That's a lot. That's a lot on the planet today. The problem is this. Here's next. That workers in the unreached, there's 20,500 less. This isn't like 37%. This is less than 1%. This is 0.37% of Christian workers in our world on this planet are working among the unreached. Those who do not know Jesus, those who will probably live and die without ever hearing the name of Jesus. Three billion unreached with the gospel. And we don't even have 1% of Christian workers going to unreached people groups. Guys, that's, that's an indictment on the church today. It's an indictment on me. That there are 3 billion, 40% of our world who don't know Jesus, have never heard the name of Jesus, and we can't even get 1% of the full-time Christian workers to unreached people groups. That is so, so sad. It's sad that in 2000 years of Christian history since Christ, that we still have 40% of the planet who's never heard his name. And you might think, well, who, who's to blame? Is God the one to blame? Is God the one to blame? Since I mean, since he hasn't called more people to go to the unreached people groups, it must be God. It must be his fault. Because if the only people who go to unreached people groups are those who are called, who like hear this, this, this voice from heaven saying, you go here or see it written on a wall. If, if, it's, if that's what it takes to get someone to an unreached people group, if that's the norm, then it must be God's fault that he hasn't called more people to go to unreached people groups, right? The traveling team is a missions organization that travels our country going to different college campuses and casting vision to college students to wake us up to see that there's all these unreached people. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so they go around to, to college campuses and they cast vision and they pray and, and they preach and, and they seek for there to be more workers to go to 
the harvest. And here's what they had to say. Watch this. If everyone is obeying God's calling to be a missionary wherever they are, then God is calling 99.9995% of people to work among the 44.3% of the world population that already has the gospel. And calling virtually no one to relocate among the other 53.7% of the world population that are not Christian. You have a better chance of being in a plane crash than being one of the few missionaries to the unreached out of the total 2 billion Christians in the world. In light of God's word, this seems unfathomable and it appears to be almost complete disobedience on the part of the church worldwide to go and make disciples of all the nations. Financially, we are hoarding, this is Christians, we are hoarding 99.99% of our income to ourselves and what little is given is mostly directed towards reached people groups. The current status quo is to do virtually nothing to reach the unreached people groups of the world. The percentages of manpower and money focused on unreached people groups are almost undetectable. They are so small. I've got a question for you. Does this break your heart? Does the state of our world, the state of the the gospel, does this break your heart? It does me. It broke Isaiah's heart. Isaiah was broken over him being separated from God and his people and the nations being separated from God. And he was so broken that it led to a willingness to to volunteer and say, God, I'll go, I'll, I'll be your messenger. You see, I think when we look at the state of the world right now and where the gospel has gotten to on our planet and where it hasn't, I think we just need to be honest with ourselves and say, at least up until this point, we haven't really been that broken and we haven't been really that willing to go. We haven't even been willing to give our money so that other people can go. I mean, that's just true. That's just what's been true of the American church. And I am here right now with you doing this, doing that, like doing Raider Church, because I want to see that change. I want you to know the truth so that you can do something about it. And so the church and the state of the church and the state of the the spread of the gospel that, that we have inherited, that our generation has inherited, you need to know the truth. You need to know what's been happening so that you can change that, so that you can make a difference, so that this does not continue where we have zero brokenness over the lost and the unreached people groups and zero willingness to go and zero willingness to even give to those who are willing to go. This has got to change. It's got to change. And the reason I I love being a pastor for Ray Richardson, I feel like God led me to do this, was because you guys are in a position to make decisions now that could alter the course of your life. 
where maybe God would break your heart over the unreached people groups in our world and your brokenness would maybe lead to a willingness to be like Isaiah and say, here am I, God, you're looking for a messenger. You're looking for someone to go to the unreached. I'll go, send me, I volunteer. I don't know if I'm called or not or what, I don't even know what that's all about, but I'll volunteer, I'll go. I love you, God. I know your heart breaks over the unreached. I know you desire that, that none perish, but that all come to repentance and receive eternal life. I know that's on your heart, God. And so I volunteer to go. I volunteer to, to make what's on your heart on my heart. I'll go. That's why I'm here. It's because I want to see this change. And so it's been our prayer that God would use what's happening here at Raider Church and all the lives that, that we've seen change, that he would use that and leverage that for the sake of unreached people groups. And so every semester, without shame, we will talk about this and we will cast a vision for this because it's one of the reasons Raider Church exists is to get people to unreached people groups. It's one of the reasons we're here. It's one of the reasons we do what we do is to get people to unreached people groups. And so what we've done is we've just adopted a country and some unreached people groups in that country just to, to focus it. And we're, we're going to have people go to, to other unreached people groups. But just as a church, we've decided to, to focus and to zero our efforts into the country of Thailand. Thailand is 0.5% as a whole evangelical Christian, meaning they are 99.5% unreached. The central Thai people group is 0.2% evangelical Christian, 0.2%, meaning they are 99.8% unreached. And right now in the country of Thailand and these unreached people groups, which represent about 67 million people, you can live and die and never hear the name of Jesus, not once. Does that matter to you? Does that break your heart? It should. If you're a follower of Jesus, it should break your heart. It should break our hearts so much that it produces a willingness in us to say, here I am, God, send me. And so it's my prayer that you'll pray a dangerous prayer. The prayer that Isaiah prayed. Here I am, God send me. And so we have a process for people that say that, that pray that prayer. They go through our mobilization groups. They're called phase one and, and phase two. And right now I was told, or I learned on Sunday, we've got 13 students from Raider Church in phase two right now that are praying about their next step to go to an unreached people group. I couldn't be more excited about that. I just, I, I teared up when I heard that. 
We've got another 40 in phase one that have gone through phase one that are now praying about whether or not to move on to phase two, which is a deeper and further training that prepares you to go to an unreached people group. But my prayer for you tonight is that you say, I don't, I don't know if I'm called. I, I, don't, I don't know about all that, but I volunteer. I volunteered to enter a season of prayer and, and taking some next steps like going through the phase one group where I might find out what, what God is doing and, and what God wants for me. I volunteer, I volunteer to enter that season. And here's why, because when you enter that season and you begin to pray that dangerous prayer, here's what happens. When you pray, God sends. When you pray, when you enter a season of prayer, God will send you. That's just what he does. He'll move in your heart and he'll begin to change your heart and he'll begin to give you a willingness to go, to go wherever. That may be to another city in our country or it may be to an unreached people group on the other side of the world. But when you begin to pray, God will give you a heart to go. He's looking for volunteers. You know, we had one of our students that's been coming for the last year or so, her name's Emily. She came here and her life was radically changed as she began to, to follow Jesus really for the first time in her life. And she began to, to grow in her relationship with Jesus. And then she heard us start talking about the nations and unreached people groups one semester. And she decided to take phase one. And I want you to hear her story and see what God did in her life as a result. So check this out. My name is Emily White. I'm a freshman HEFS major here at Tech. Growing up, my family attended church on a regular basis. I committed my life to Christ and was baptized when I was six, and I remember then what an amazing feeling that was. During high school, my family stopped going to church all the time. We would only go on occasion, and I still attended youth group, but I didn't have the joy and peace that you get when you have a real relationship with Jesus. I had known Him for most of my life, but it wasn't until college that I realized I didn't have the relationship with Him that I needed. When I came to college, I knew a few people that attended Raider Church and really liked it, and I knew that I wanted to find a church that I could get involved with. My roommate told me that we needed to go check out Raider Church on Tuesday night at the beginning of the semester. She talked me into going because she said that there were free t-shirts. I'm so thankful we went to get that free t-shirt because after the first night at Raider Church, I knew this church could be a place I called home. Raider Church has changed my life in so many ways. One night we were sitting in church and I truly experienced God speaking to me. Clayton was talking about how we couldn't do life without God leading us. And even though I claimed to live a Christian life, I really wasn't. I would go out and party with my friends and would do things that I shouldn't be doing if I really considered myself a Christian. I knew something needed to be changed about the way I lived my life. Clayton talked about how baptisms were coming up in two weeks and I felt the Holy Spirit telling me that I needed to rededicate my life to Christ and truly have a relationship with Him. I suddenly became overwhelmed with emotions and couldn't help but just cry. My God knew I was lost and wanted me to come home to Him. I was baptized in November of 2017 and it was an amazing day, but I knew that I needed to take another next step in my relationship with Christ. The next week when we went to Raider, Clayton talked about lost people in the nations. 
I couldn't believe that I'd lived 18 years not knowing that someone in another country could live their entire life and not hear the name of Jesus. That just wasn't okay with me. This is something that I couldn't wrap my mind around. I knew that I was so blessed to live in a country where we can worship Jesus openly and not have to hide it from outsiders or have to hide in a closet to worship. It was so crazy to me that we live where we can worship freely, yet it is so hard and not the norm for Americans to openly talk about Jesus with their peers. The message about the nations that night really spoke to me, so I took the next step and joined a phase one group for the upcoming semester. Phase one is basically a group where you learn how to become a disciple maker. It's a time in your life to grow and to learn from the Bible how much God has a heart for the whole world coming to know Him. You read stories in the Bible from cover to cover and you learn that being a Christian is simply listening to what God says in His Word and about how you can live it out every day. I was so excited to join this group and it has changed my life in ways that I never even knew were possible. The second week of phase one, I knew something needed to be changed in my life and that God was leading me to go to the nations one day. We read Matthew 10:24 that says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. And I knew in that moment that I wanted to be a part of that. This summer, I have the privilege of going to Thailand on a mission trip and I cannot wait to see the way my heart changes by getting to see everything firsthand in a country that doesn't know Jesus. During the past 10 weeks of phase one, my relationship has changed with Jesus so much. I've grown a true relationship with Him and my heart for the nations has grown immensely. Feeling called to go long-term, I decided to go through a phase two group, which is another step to prepare me to move overseas and serve the Lord long-term. Raider Church has changed my life and my relationship with Jesus, and I'm forever thankful for that. I don't think anyone would regret taking a next step in their relationship with Jesus and doing a phase one group. And even if you aren't called to go long-term, all of us have a role to play in the world hearing about Jesus. We've now had, this past semester, nearly 55 students going through phase one and phase two. And so, yeah, it's amazing. And um, so I don't want you to think that people who do this um, are somehow like crazy or, or different. This is actually very normal when you read through the New Testament. Paul said he was willing to endure and he was willing to do anything so that the unreached might hear the good news of salvation through Christ. And so if you're here tonight and you would say, hey, I, don't, I don't know about the whole calling thing and I don't know, I'm not like gonna sign on the dotted line like right now to go to Zimbabwe or something like that, but, but I'm willing to enter a season of prayer and to take some next steps and, and see what God might have for me, to see what God's doing in the world, to, to learn how to make disciples like Jesus told us to. If that's you and you feel like God's speaking to you tonight and there's this thing happening inside of you right now where it's like the spirit in you is saying, here am I, send me. And you, you might be like, no, no, no. You're like trying to take those words back like right now, like not even think them. But the spirit in you is already making that prayer. 
I, I just wanna challenge you to fill out that card in your chair. It says R2G on it, stands for red to green. Red countries are the unreached people groups, the unreached countries in our world. And it's our prayer that God would use Raider Church to see red countries like Thailand become a green country with an exploding church planning movement. So if that's you and you're willing to enter that season of prayer, take some next steps like phase one, I wanna challenge you, fill out that card. And then after the service is over, take it to the Raider Church booth and, and set it down there. You can give it to one of us and, and we'll get it turned in for you. And what will happen is, is someone from our mission staff will contact you and talk with you about a phase one group or about a mission trip to Thailand that's coming soon. So if that's you, fill out that card. But you might be here and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Or maybe you take next steps and you do go through phase one and you end up sensing or realizing that, that you are going to, to stay here in this country. Then my challenge for you, my dangerous prayer for you is to sacrifice here so that you can give that others might go there. You see the sacrifice if you're here in this country is, is no less or it shouldn't be for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we should be willing to sacrifice and endure anything here to give to others so that they might go there. And so that's my prayer for you. It's to sacrifice here. It's to be a missionary here. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, you're either a missionary or an imposter. And so some of you are here and you say, I don't know about going somewhere. I don't know about going to an unreached people group, but, but I wanna be a disciple maker. I wanna make disciples. I, I, wanna, I wanna do what Jesus has called me to do. I wanna be a missionary here. If that's you, then I wanna challenge you to write on your connection card that's in your chair. Just write on it, fill it out and write on it, say, send me. And we'll be in touch with you as well about helping to mobilize you to become a missionary here in this country. So let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us. God, in this moment, I pray that you would speak to people in this room, that you through the spirit, God, would give us the strength and the power and the boldness, God, and the courage to say, here I am, just like Isaiah, here I am, send me, God. I volunteer, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Jesus, you need more workers, I'll be a worker in the harvest. I volunteer, I'll go. So God, in this moment, would you break our hearts, God, as we sing, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Would you break our hearts over the lost, over the unreached? Would you break our hearts over the eternal destination of the unreached people groups, God? Would you break us, God, tonight and begin to produce in us a willingness that wasn't there before to go, to give, to do whatever it takes, God, to bring the salvation of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. Now let's stand and let's worship God and let's cry out to him and let's worship him. We have great news. We have good news to celebrate tonight that God loves us in spite of our sin. And he sent Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. That good news, that simple message, we can celebrate that tonight and worship God for the good news of the gospel.